I truly believe the greatest superpower we can have in life is the ability to be exactly who we are. But if who we are is constantly missing from the dominant narrative, you make it your job to make space for yourself. That is the story of Jeffrey Bower Chapman. A trained gymnast who began his international modeling career at 16 and has acted for over 12 years, Jeffrey is an outspoken advocate for the creation of LGBTQ characters and has increased the visibility of the community, especially queer people of color. The 33-year-old Canadian actor, one of the small group of people who have been the voice of King T'Challa, currently plays Jay, a fictional reality show producer on the Peabody award-winning and Emmy-nominated Lifetime series, Unreal. Welcome to Marvel's Voices. I sat down with Jeffrey a few weeks before he started filming season four of Unreal to talk about his love of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, his mother's influence, and why he's so passionate about amplifying the voices of those who dance in the margins. Our conversation started like any Monday morning should, with a cup of coffee from our favorite Black Panther mugs. Joking me? I had to do it. You're it's like incredible. one of you're like one of the Black Panthers. Like I, I was like, Thank clearly. You. Thank you for honoring that. I really appreciate I mean, it. Look, <laughs> Nickelodeon. Yeah, was a thing when yeah, I was. was a kid. You know I, you know, I didn't ever have. I mean, we can save this. We can save this for when we're actually recording. I didn't have Nickelodeon when I was growing up. I didn't have any of that stuff. Instead, I was watching like. Are you being served and absolutely fabulous and all these like bizarre British? So comedies. first of all, I love you <laughs> because no, no, no. PBS, uh-huh. Red Dwarf, Doctor Who. Mm-hmm, are you being served? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. What was the other one? Are you being served? There was one more. And I watched Monty Python. Mm, of course. I loved of course. Monty Python. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, that's what I watched. And then I would always, my parents, I had this black and white little baby TV. And you'd have to, like, change the dial yes. to, like, make the antenna do this. Yeah. <laughs> and watching, I watched In Living Color. That was the one mm, thing we did that we did get to watch So good. So, so good. Yeah. I, yeah, I was, I was uh, very, very shielded. Not even necessarily consciously from the, from the content that I uh, absorbed as a child, but I just didn't yeah. have access to it. We just, I grew up in such a small town that we just didn't. So you, so there's like, what, 2,000 people in your hometown? Less than. But also, like, you are a hippie. Yeah. I am. Like, you, I am. vegan, Buddhist. Yeah. yeah I you, know. like, I know. but also, like, you glow. Like, there's mm. this, you're always smiling. You mm. are always inviting. You're funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm awake, when I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, Thank so, you. um, so I was so curious, like, so you grew up in the country. Yeah. Do you know anything about farming? Nothing. Oh, God yeah, bless and, you. Yeah, Neither like, do I. Yeah, and like showed no interest. Why did, where did you grow up? In Port Allen, Louisiana. Oh, you're a Louisiana girl. I am. Oh, look at you. Oh, wow. It's still legal to ride horses down the street in the hometown. Are you serious? Yeah. And burn your trash in the backyard. Oh, I totally get being from the country. Still? Yes. So, wow. Yes. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, How long I'm, have you lived here? So I've lived in New York probably three and a half years. Mm. But I've been out of Louisiana for 12. Where'd you go? Left after law school and went to D.C., left D.C., went to North Carolina, left North Carolina, went to Ohio. After law school. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, I really. see you. I see you, girl. <laughs> S- says the man who signed a modeling contract at 16. Well, you know. I mean, that was that was just like dumb luck, though, honestly. That was manifestation. That was manifestation in the sense that I knew that I had to get out and I didn't know how. Um, and it was also just like genetic luck of being tall and thin. And also a trained gymnast. Yeah, that was conscious. That was something that I that I look at you. How do you know all these things about me? <laughs> uh, I love gymnastics. I still do. I wish my knees could would love it back, but 
So no cartwheels. I can do cartwheels, but oh, yeah, nice. I used to like love tumbling. I used to love it so much. I would uh, when I was in gymnastics. Did you did you do gymnastics as a kid? My sister did. Yeah. I was the drama club nerd. Oh, see, I was always too shy to do drama club. I would really? sign. Yeah, yeah, I would sign up for for. Uh, okay, I for, would never know. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I would I would sign up for drama um, every semester and then to m- maybe do one class and then drop out and go do something else. Um, but gymnastics, I just loved like floor floor and tumbling. I loved everything from. Um, I just I just love the floor routines. I loved I just love doing like I, the feeling of flying, of doing like a round off into a back handspring, into a back tuck, and then landing and being like I can fly. That, that feeling, is amazing. Though, have you have you ever done a, a flip? I did. So my mother. So I grew up in a dancing family. Mm. Um, so my sister was a professional dancer. Wow. But all of us took tap, jazz, ballet, and gymnastics. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Did you have uh, male siblings as well, or just just a just sister? sisters? Okay. 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 Just sisters. Okay. This is my curious question, yeah. and I just I have to know. Yeah. So you love to perform as a kid. Yeah. I love to perform as a kid too. Yeah. My like setback was Tina Turner. Who was your setback? Like who? What? What was your set thing you did as a kid? Bette Midler, probably. <laughs> like, are we talking Bette Midler from Beaches? Bette Midler. Exactly. Yes! Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, did you Everything. ever know that you were my hero? The wind beneath my wings. For sure, that would be it. Okay. That was like that was like my lip my original lip syncing track. So first of all, I introduce people to that song. Yeah, of course. You all did. of the time yeah, of because course. Bette Midler. Talking about braziers? Singing about braziers? Mm. It doesn't get any better. Such a great scene. Yeah. Oh, Bette Midler, you are a hero. <laughs> she She's a hero. An icon, a legend. So you've traveled the world. Yeah. You've done all these things. Mm-hmm. Everyone's asked you your favorite place, but what is it about traveling? Like, what is the thing that drives you to do that? Because it could be exhausting, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I think the realization that the world is so much smaller than we think it is while, um, you know, from our tiny little perspective, um, when you travel, you can be on the, I mean, sitting here in the studio in New York, I can think of like Tokyo or Bali or, um, you know, um, uh, Mumbai. And I think of it as like this otherworldly place. But when you actually go, you see like the, the grass is green, the sky is blue and people are just like you and me. Um, so finding that like commonality, that universal thread that connects us all is the biggest gift from traveling. I think actually also like physically changing your perspective and like going to um, a place on the earth that is like uh, is on a different axis. I feel like it just like it, it activates different parts of your brain instead of standing like this. All of a sudden, you're standing like this, and more blood flow goes this way, and then you just think different thoughts. <laughs> maybe maybe it's psychosomatic. Maybe I'm nuts for for thinking that, but I think that that's that's been my experience. My 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 consciousness is always expanded when I'm traveling. I love it. Says the man who was a cook on a starship, yeah. basically. Yeah. No, so first of all, Stargate. You're part of a lot of canon. Yeah. Like you're part of several different types of canon, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've got so many connections to Marvel beyond being the voice of T'Challa mm-hmm. in Iron Man Armed Adventures. You also have been in the show for SGU mm-hmm. with uh, Ming-Na, yeah. who's amazing. On S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. It's a so whole... you're just all in the family. Yeah, well, thank goodness. It's a good family to be a part of. I'm brand new, so. You are? I totally agree. Oh, good. How did you land this gig? I don't know. I was walking down the street one day. No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, That's the story of my life, actually. <laughs> I was just walking down. Literally. Yeah, you were literally yeah. sitting at um at lunch when you got your, your first movie gig, right? I how much you know about me. It's incredible. Mm. Yeah, that my first movie I booked, I was sitting in a restaurant in downtown Vancouver, and a, um, a director approached me and said, I recognize you as a model, but do you act? And I said, no, I would love to. And he said, do you want to come, will you come audition for my for my new film tomorrow? And I like really took it with a grain of salt. I really didn't put much weight into it and went to a concert that night and came home and 
read the sides in my email. I didn't even know what sides were. And then long story short, went in the next day and read and, and booked it. Manifestation. Manifestation, yeah. But it's also like, you know, like just like just saying yes to two opportunities that the universe presents for you. So ironically, so I actually um, worked in feminism and women's rights for a while. Um, and Why you're, is that ironic? You're a feminist. You're, oh, a yes! self, you're a self-pronounced black gay man who is a feminist. Yeah. That's not as um, common as as one would think. As There you go. As one would think. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we, it's like just the very basic definition of feminism. Feminist is just a person who believes in equal rights for for both sexes, for all sexes, mm-hmm. yeah. for all genders, for all genders, yeah, um, regardless of what gender you associate with or disassociate with, yeah, which I think just makes sense, no, no, it makes yeah. perfect sense, yeah. Um, I think that me embodying so many different intersections of otherness, being biracial, being queer, being a, a Canadian born man living in the United States, um. I just I, all of those things that may make me an other or may make me different um, don't define who I am. They're just parts of who I am. So yeah. I just feel like looking at anybody else who may have um, qualities of character or um, may embody something that you may not be able to personally connect with right away. Uh, Where I, I just I think that we I, I just think, I think that I guess that I, I'm very blessed that I have um, a, a high level of empathy for people who may you know dance in the margins of otherness and may not fit into the status quo. I love that dance in the margins. Yeah. But also like you're mad authentic. Like you Thank you. you walk into a room and there's this joy, there's this energy, mm. there's this decision that you have made. Oh yeah, I pray for it every day. You have, you do, you have a prayer that you mm-hmm, do every day. Can, mm-hmm. can you? I have many prayers that I do every day. One of them is for the brilliant light within me to shine authentically, for the world to be inspired and impacted by sustainably. I've added that part in to not burn myself out. Um, and then my other favorite prayer affirmation uh, that I uh, recite to myself numerous times throughout the day comes from Martin Luther King Jr. And he originated it with uh, use me God, but I uh, will substitute it uh, uh, with universe, love, source, light, whatever, whatever it may be on that uh, particular given day. Um, But use me universe, show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, what I can do and use it for a purpose greater than myself. Which is pretty incredible because mm. you've kind of done that like you've been in some of my favorite shows even if it was a small part like L Word Noah's Ark yeah. like yeah. Warehouse 13 oh my gosh like, yeah. <laughs> like you've, you've really crossed a lot of paths but mm. also like particularly your role in the skinny mm-hmm. like was oh my gosh. really yeah. like talk about being comfortable with the uncomfortable and saying no we're going to normalize yes. this and everything you know what's funny about that is that I had just moved uh, I, I was living in Cape Town, South Africa, but uh, before moving to New York to to shoot the skinny. But um, uh, prior to that, I really had I was I grew up in a very sheltered environment and I really had no reference for uh, for the, the, the culture of black gay men in America. So coming in and playing this character of Joey in the skinny who was so off the cuff and was so wildly authentically himself and says everything that everybody is thinking but nobody is saying, I didn't realize how um, uh, how bold that was or how um, groundbreaking that character was in many ways or, or why so many people connected to him because it was just um, – I didn't realize that he was, that he was uh, like the epitome of, of taboo. 
you did it with such like ease. I just did it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I didn't know any better. I think that I think that's the thing though is that I didn't have any fear around it. I didn't I didn't know that the things that he that he was saying and the way that he was behaving, the things he was doing were um things that um you know black gay culture in many ways like you know or you're told to shh, shh, like you know be quiet and to silence those parts of yourselves or to dim those parts of yourself so that you should be ashamed of those parts of yourself. I was never fed those messages, so I just I just lived him as I saw him on the page. That's amazing. And it's so funny just like hearing you in previous interviews talk about growing up in Canada and hockey and all these other things (laughs) that people were involved in. I totally get it. Like folks were like, we're going to go hunting. And I'm like, yes. Growing up in Louisiana. Yeah, I know. Sip your tea. Yeah. (sighs) That sounds like And go read a good book. Bring me back some deer. Yeah. Do you eat meat? I don't eat meat anymore. No, I'm a, no. Well, I'm a pescatarian right now. Yeah, me too. Mm. I stopped young. I stopped eating meat when I was like seven years old. And I would have stopped years before that had my family allowed me to. I just really like dug my heels in at seven and said no more. It is just – it is not for me. It wasn't ethical reasons. It was it was legitimately that my body just – it just rejects meat and animal product. And he's like, and this is not for me. This uh-uh. is not this is not the way I want to live. No, but that's I mean, that was the start of me listening to my instincts and intuition and just knowing that what was right for me, I had the answer for what's right for me. I have to listen mm-hmm. to that and then guide and navigate my place, my life from that place. Well, that's kind of the origins of your tattoo on your wrist, right? Surrender. Yes, go with the flow. <laughs> Who are you, Oprah? <laughs> my gosh. Uh, you know, you know all my everything. Yeah, I have my uh, my mother's handwriting on my left wrist. It says surrender. Um, I got it tattooed there when I was living in South Africa. Um, just a reminder, a reminder to go with the flow and not fight against the grain. And yeah, I mean, it can be interpreted in many different ways. But I think that's really what it comes down to is like uh, tune into and pay attention to your intuition, your internal guidance system, because it will it, it has never led me astray even and and that's kind of and it's scary actually it's terrifying in many ways because even right now I'm at I feel like I'm at a crossroads in my life where my intuition is telling me to go down one path and my ego is telling me to go down another and I know that I have to listen to my intuition even if it may be um uncharted territory that um you know that 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 I may or may not have success in personally, professionally, spiritually, emotionally. But it's I I know that if I don't listen to my instincts and my intuition, I will regret it. So where is your instinct pulling you? <laughs> now I'm I mean, just curious. I think, you know, I think with the prayer and the affirmation to be used for a purpose greater than myself, that the opportunities are coming to me more and more and more. And I'm not specific about. Um, what shape that may take or what platform that is, but it being used for a purpose greater than myself is using my personality for a purpose greater than myself, which, and you know, when you, when you guide your life from a personality driven place, um, you really have to get in tune with who you are and what makes you tick and what you're passionate about. And um, the more I pay attention to that, the more it leads me towards um, the people who have inspired me the most in my life. Um, I've never really been drawn to celebrity and actors and rock stars and um, all of that. It's been inspirational, motivational, spiritual world leaders, the great thinkers of our time, um, Maya Angelou, Martin Luther King Jr., Oprah Winfrey, um, Michael Bernard Beckwith, um, Lisa Nichols, Mike Dooley, like just like just like just great. The people that um, I pay attention to what what do I like to uh, ingest? What what types of books do I like to read? What types of podcasts do I like to listen to? What kind of conversations do I like to have? Um, And they all have a common thread. It's about um, uh, living your life from an intention driven place. 
really listening to your to your intuition and your instincts, um, um, shining bright and being authentic. And uh, yeah, I mean, authenticity is key, just like just being real. So yeah, so that path is leading me to more and more opportunities like this, where I get to talk, where I get to um, use my platform to use my voice as Jeffrey to share my opinion or my, pers- my perspective on any given situation or on the state of the world or whatever it may be. Um, and for many years it was, that was done through acting and I'm sure it will continue to, I will continue down that path. Um, as I think the thing is, as long as I can continue to play thoughtfully written, fully fleshed out queer characters, then I am happy to, um, to be used for a purpose greater than myself, uh, living within a character. Um, and thankfully, more and more content is being created for queer identifying actors and uh, more uh, content is being written uh, for queer characters and queer stories. Um, and as long as the good stuff keeps coming in, amazing. I will gladly jump on board and be the vessel to um, bring these characters to life and to tell these stories. But um yeah, if as I mean, these opportunities keep coming my way, whether it's sitting here having this conversation with you or doing my podcast conversations with others, um, I'm really digging it and I'm really vibing with that frequency. And yeah, so the thought of, you know, I mean, it's, it's just the thought of the unknown. I think that I've lived my entire life, like I said, from an intention driven place, being very clear about uh, being very clear about where it is that I will end up, not necessarily how I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm at the the end of one chapter of my life. I'm 33 years old and essentially everything that I have intended um, has come to be, has manifested in my professional life, at least in my personal life, very much so as well. Um, but now it's time to go back to the drawing board and figure out what I want my life to look like in this next chapter, in this next incarnation of me. Well, I feel like you are also are building your own infrastructure, right? Like you're building the inf- the frequency to also be able to do some of these things. Like you lent your name to a scholarship, yeah, um, which is incredible yeah. for there to be um, even in in the smallest way to the biggest way of there knowing that you're setting the example mm-hmm. for other folks to invest in queer mm-hmm. uh, actors of color, but also you're now playing a role that you helped create. Yeah. I mean, just by being me, though, I really had no I didn't I really didn't have um, much of like a verbal hand in it. But, yeah, playing Jay on Unreal, he was a a straight, sleazy man slut, essentially. And, you know, he's a producer on a reality show, Everlasting. Uh, This is the character I play on Unreal. Um, And um, it wasn't necessarily a character that I really personally vibed with, to be totally honest with you. It was the powers that be behind the project, which drew me to it. I was very clear by that time. I was 28 years old when I booked Unreal. And um, I was very clear by that time in my career that I really only wanted to play characters that that really spoke to me and um, um, ideally only play queer characters and um, be used in that capacity if I were to continue to work um, as an actor in the entertainment industry. But um, it was Marty Noxon, who's the co-creator of Unreal, who was... Who was also... The executive producer, showrunner on season six, and writer of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the series. Just like... Were you a Buffy fan? I was a huge Buffy fan. I was both movie and TV me too. show. Oh my gosh, me too. The movie was amazing. The best. Speaking was, of gymnast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is... That One is, of the best scenes ever. Oh my God. That is like, I, I promise you, that is watching the movie. I think it was in like in 1992, the original movie, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, came out with Christy Swanson and Luke Perry and uh, Donald Sutherland. Um, but she was a cheerleader slash like gymnast. And that's like where part of my uh, passion for gymnastics as a youth came into play. 
being Buffy. I'm like, why can't there be male slayers? Why can't there be gay slayers? You know? Oh. Yeah. But but anyway, so. I see uh, a comic book idea coming out. I see too. I see, you know, I see a live action version coming out. Why not? Well, there could be gay slayers. Why the heck not? Um, uh, but it was Marty Noxon who uh, was the co-creator of Unreal. And when I saw her name attached to that project and read the script and loved the story, I knew that I had to find a way to make this character work. And um, we shot an original pilot for Unreal in 2013 in Atlanta and Jay was straight. And then it was just through um, spending time with uh, Marty and the other creators of the show, Sarah Gertrude Shapiro and the producers and directors behind the scenes. And just by being me, that they saw something in me that they didn't have written on the pages, Jay. And when... The show got picked up. We had this really rare and uh, special opportunity um, that they were scrapping the original pilot, doing some recasting and rewriting and bringing on a couple of other actors onto the show, uh, Constant Zimmer being one of them. Um, and they wanted to rewrite my character after me, starting with making him a gay man. And um, that could have only happened um, because of the, the years leading up to that moment. Years before, um, while I was playing straight characters, I, I would play really small when the camera wasn't rolling um when the uh, the director would call cut i felt uh really nervous and intimidated just to be myself because i think that living in this environment of uh like uh, heteronormative standards um with with like, the powers that be generally being like older straight white men um my authenticity my queerness made them uncomfortable and i could feel that and I didn't want to give them any reason to not uh, continue to bring me back episode after episode after episode. So I didn't want to um, let my my queerness shine um, and have them be scared because of their limited perspectives that I wouldn't be able to deliver as a um, a, a straight character. I wouldn't be believable. Um, so I really I really played small, and I was found myself being really unhappy working on shows where I was playing straight and really, where I had to. Um, dim parts of myself. I felt so like I sort of, like physically ill. I felt I started to uh, really just uh, internalize all of these really negative uh, uh, thoughts of self doubt and disbelief, and um, uh, it just I just felt gross. I felt gross from the inside out, and um, I knew that I couldn't live like that. So um, yeah, uh, being on set of Unreal during the original pilot and playing that character, it was the first time that I had played a straight character and then had truly been myself behind the scenes when the camera wasn't rolling. And it's, it just, it's cha- it changed my whole life. That, that one choice, that one decision, listening to my instincts, intuition, that changed my whole life. Favorite video of you, no lie, hmm. uh, is the rendition of Cosmic Love. Oh my God, you were hilarious. It <laughs> like, is so I'm, good. I, I can't believe, I can't believe it's still out there. I think I posted it on my YouTube account years ago. And it's still there. Oh, you were so funny. And it's everything. I was like, this is the person like I literally I was like this is the person I'm talking to that today. was literally that was the it was uh, uh, my just like a funny little like lip syncing ridiculous scene that myself and my co-star on uh, Stargate Universe who's one of my best friends Elise mm-hmm. Levesque um, her and I did it in in our trailer in my trailer her trailer uh, uh, Florence and the Machines Cosmic Love we just did this like insane lip syncing um, totally impromptu it seems like it's choreographed but it's not just like just just foolery just tomfoolery um, and it was fun and that really was towards the end of the second season of Stargate I think that was that was one of the last episodes of Stargate and that's when I came to the point where I couldn't hold myself back any longer and I had to be myself and I had actually made the decision um, even the show got canceled after the second season but uh, I actually left the show um, 
uh, I think, the second last episode of season two. I didn't have a serious regular contract at that time. So I, um, yeah, I left and I moved to Toronto and, and I knew that I was ready for for something more at that point. What would you say to that young queer actor in no stoplight town somewhere <laughs> in the Midwest about, mm-hmm. you know, the courage that it's taken to do some of the stuff that you've done? It's really funny. Somebody just asked me this earlier today. It was not that specific question, but about courage and confidence. And I've never really considered myself to be a courageous or confident person. I don't think there's any difference between you and me and everybody else. Honestly, I feel like we all have the same. Um, they're personal to us, of course, but um, the same you know, um, internal drive and needs and um, desire to move towards our passions. Um, and I think that we all know what that is for us, but the difference between the people that um, experience it IRL and the ones who don't are the ones who move towards it, regardless of the obstacles or regardless of the self-doubt or um, the haters or the fear. Um, fortune favors the brave, and I know that to be true. And I think the people who I look to um, as sources of inspiration are may be extraordinarily accomplished individuals and they may be um, people worthy of celebration, um, but they're just human beings and they are people who started out just like as you and I did and everyone else listening and they just really followed their um, internal GPS. They went towards it and um, even when it was terrifying to do so, even when it may have made not, not made any sense to do so, um, uh, whether that be like, you know, logically or financially or whatever the reasons are that can hold you back from doing something. You can always come up with a million excuses and a million different reasons as to why it doesn't make sense to follow your dreams. Um, but the dream is there for a reason. I feel like those are, you know, our souls uh, land in this body infused with everything that we need to know about who we are. And that gives you little hints and little um, uh, guidance along the way, and you just have to listen to it. You just have to pay attention to it, and um, it's a muscle that you have to build. And the more that you listen to that that voice, um, the stronger the muscle gets. And um, just through my experience, it's never it's never led me astray. So um, I I always have to go back to a place of believing it, of reminding myself that that you know my ego can be telling me one thing, but um, I think that's like a it's like a, a self-protective thing. It's a it's a my, my ego kicks in and tells me to 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 remain static and to um, not be bold um, in a way to protect myself in a way. To, it, it, we all have it, but it, it's the, it's there to protect you. It's there so that you don't so you actually don't get hurt. So you physically don't get hurt. So you emotionally don't get hurt, whatever it may be. But yeah, fortune favors the brave. You just sometimes you got to take take risks in order to um, live the life of of your dreams, whatever your dreams may be. So what's on your bookshelf right now? Because you're, you're a pretty everything. avid reader. Yeah. <laughs> like you do audio books. Like what, yeah. are you, what are yeah. you listening slash reading right now? Um, well, I'm reading, I'm rereading Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukav right now, which I love, which is a book on, on spirituality. I love that. Um, I just had my beautiful little Buddha babies uh, over for a sleepover at our place in Brooklyn the other day, and I read them Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. That was beautiful. Reading Alice in Wonderland out loud as an adult. Oh, what a cool experience. It was beautiful. And uh, one of them is five and one of them is ten, two, my two little uh, beautiful little soul brothers. Um, and both of them connected with it in a way that I did as well, which I thought was just so beautiful. And so it's very 
very interesting that you mentioned your Buddha babies. Yeah. You actually are, what, six years a Buddhist? Yeah, I've been practicing for the past six or seven years. Yeah, 2011, I think it was, when I first started practicing. It was on set of The Skinny. Do you feel like it made a difference in that moment in time for you? Because that was after you were on Noah's Ark, but that yeah. was like when you were working with Jesse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you were you were taking on this role that was like so key and pinnacle to imagery and the visibility of black gay men. Mm, thank you. How do you feel like that impacted everything that rippled after that? I mean, that was, was before was, Unreal. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was an it was an affirmation that I was on the right path. It was uh, like maybe eight months after I left Stargate Universe, had left Vancouver, was living in Toronto for a few months and then moved to New York. Um, and um, I was asking for guidance and I was asking for um, <sighs> um, to be full. I was asking to be full. I felt um, fractured and fragmented, and I was trying to put the pieces of myself back together and um, connect the pieces in a way that, um, you know, was a, a mosaic that made sense to me. And so once again, I just went inwards. I went. I started listening to what felt good and what felt right for me. And I was on set of the skinny, and I heard through a door chanting. I heard this like this vibration, this beautiful humming noise and I was drawn to it and instead of ignoring it and just thinking, oh, that's a cool sound, um, I went towards it and I and I opened the door and it was uh, the mother of my Buddha babies, my beautiful soul brothers, um, Lisa Green, and then my co-star of uh, the skinny Blake Young Fountain. They were chanting. They were chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. And I don't know if it has the same effect on everybody as it does for me, but I've just always been drawn to vibrations and bass you know, everything from like the didgeridoo to just like really deep voices filled with bass. They're just like there's something about the the frequency, the resonancy of that that just really it fills up something within me. And so I joined it and started chanting with them. And I it filled the the spirit shaped void that was residing in my chest. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's a practice. It's it's it, I do not look at it as a religion. I practice Buddhism the same way that I practice yoga. I'm I'm never going to be perfect. It's never going to be my all day, every day, 24-7. But it's just a part. Uh, it's just one of many tools that help fill me up. I always ask people about when they're going to write their own story. But I feel mm. like you're almost writing your own story through the roles you're playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually want to, my intention is to get into a, a writer's residency in West Africa and Ghana um, after the rainy season's done this year and go and write and write and write and write and write and just go write and tell myself my own story. There's power in that. Who knows what it will what it will evolve into. Um, but yeah, it's something that I've learned from the people who I admire most in the world, whether it is people who I've admired from afar, Maya Angelou, or people who uh, I know and love personally and deeply, like Janet Mock, who have given themselves that gift of telling themselves their own story and then sharing it with the world. So your mom. Yeah. You have her handwriting yeah. tattooed on you. Clearly yeah. she's been a huge supporter, but I, yeah. I haven't, that's the one thing I couldn't find. Yeah, it's funny. So huh? tell me about your mom. Oh, my mom. I love her so much. Um, I'm very much an open book. There are parts of me um, that I keep very uh, dear and personal uh, and protect uh, to myself. And my mother is one of those things. Um, yeah, I don't really talk about my family that much publicly um they didn't sign up for this i signed up for this so you know um they're they live a very um quiet uh a simple life in uh in small town canada 
Um, and um, yeah, uh, I, I, lo I, I love my mother so, so much. I feel like she's my greatest support system in the world. She's my best friend. Um, I am a believer of past lives and I believe that we have been together in many lifetimes and gone on many journeys together. And this is just another, uh, another chapter in our, in our universal soul story. Um, she is a woman who grew up uh, always wanting children, always knowing that she was put on this planet to be a mother and then was physically unable to have children. Um, and that didn't, matter to her she still knew that her purpose was to be a mother and to raise children so she adopted two kids myself and my sister Jordan who's three years older than me um and I have never known a love more unconditional than that of my mother's um and I think there's something really special in being adopted and knowing that um she didn't choose me we were placed together um but our souls chose each other um and I and I believe that without a shadow of a doubt um yeah she's just somebody who's always made it abundantly clear to me that no matter who i am she will always love me and she will always support me even when i didn't give her reasons to even when i was you know like a angry and confused and troubled teen who was uh, acting out and lashing out and um you know, really didn't uh, live from like a, a light or love centered place. She, she, her love was never conditional. She always, she always knew that, uh, she always let me know that I was safe and I was loved and I was valued um, just as I, just as I am. Yeah, there's, 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 I don't think I've ever experienced, I haven't, I have, I have never experienced another, another love like that. That's special. And I do the same for her. You know, I love her. I'm hard on her. I'm, you know, because I, I, I see the potential of her, of who she is. Um, and I always try to encourage her and inspire her to be the best version of her. Um, yeah, I love her. I love that woman unconditionally. She's amazing. She's a phenomenal woman. <laughs> uh, so powerful. Um, moms are the best. Yeah. Moms are. are I'm, a mama's, in... I'm such a mama's boy. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no. Poof. No, are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I say that with pride, with pride. I am such a mama's boy. I love my mama. So your superhero um, obviously uh, hinges on what I think your superpower is, but I'm not going to lay that on you. <gasps> What's my superpower? Your superpower is just connecting with people and just making them feel Aww. comfortable and oh, cool. supported and seen. Cool. Okay. Excellent. I but love that. I don't want to give that to you. You might already have thought what your superpower was. No, I've never really considered it before, but I'll take that. I will take that. I agree. I love that because that's what I, uh, you know, I think that something that we're re that I'm realizing more and more and more is that if there's not a seat at the table for us, then we must bring our own. Um, and if I can, we can sit back like and hope and dream and pray that there'll be a, a thoughtfully, beautifully written black queer superhero character to be written. But I guess... There doesn't have to be just one. I don't have to wait for just one, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then, and then when that one character is written, then all the black queer actors out there can be like scrambling and fighting for it. It's like why, why can't there be a plethora of them? Yeah, maybe I will write something one day. Look at that. That yeah. just happened. Yeah, maybe you and I will write something one day. I'm here for you it. You know why not? Let's do it. Why not? Wow, this has been amazing. Yeah, it's been fun. This is the best way to start a Monday. Yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it. That's a wrap. Is that it? That's it. Thank you for this.
My heart really? is sparkling. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. I needed this. This good. was good. This was really good. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for um affirming me and thank you for not putting me in a position where I feel like I had to um justify the way that I operate in the world or questioning my motives or intentions, but instead just connecting with me and um and vibing me with on a level where I can look to you and say me too. Your energy. You're so sweet. Thank you. Uh, it means a lot. Plus you're very you're a Libra. sweet. My mom is a Libra. So that was the tea on Jeffrey Bower Chapman. His journey as an actor and advocate and his passion to amplify and elevate the voices of folks who need it most. And that's it for this episode of Marvel's Voices. I can't believe we're already on episode three. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Marvel.com to keep up to date on the latest episodes. See you next time.